¿Sí sabes? Um, I'd like to pray before I start. You could bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, I just praise you and thank you for this Sabbath. We praise you, Father, because you are so kind and loving. I just ask for your presence to be with us here now, for the blessing of your Holy Spirit to be upon us, that you may fill our cup till it overflows. Thank you, Father, for the way that you work in our life. And I thank you for the way that you transform our hearts. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to start with a story about a, a child in a supermarket. And the child is with his parents, and the parents are going through the aisles. And the child fixes his eyes on something that he wants, a toy. And the child grabs the toy and brings it to his parents and says, can I have this? And the parent takes the toy, looks at it. I think the first thing that parents might look at is the price. And they see the price and they tell the child, we can't afford it. Please put it back. And the child is just sitting there what just happened? I thought my parents loved me. Why can I have this? And so he feels a desire towards this toy that he wants. And he looks at his parents and he can't understand. And he begs and pleads, please, can I have this? I'll, I'll do the dishes. I'll, I'll make my bed every morning for a month. Can I have this? We can't afford it. Please put it back. And the child just collapses to the ground, and he can't bear the thought of not having this toy because he's already pictured himself playing with it, enjoying it. And so he starts to cry out. And his dad comes to him and lifts him up, trying to calm him. And he tells him, just wait till we get home. And so they get home, and the child has heard that phrase many times, so he knows what to expect. The, the, the father calls his son, you turn around. I confess, I'm that child. <laughs> I threw that tantrum. I got spanked. That is how I was disciplined growing up, and I hated it. Who wants to line up for a spanking? In my mind, it seems so contrary to my relationship with my parents. Why are they causing me this pain? Why don't they buy me this thing that I want for my pleasure? But it's not until now that I've grown up that I can look back and see that my parents did it out of love, out of discipline. They wanted to show me that I was out of line. I invite you guys to turn to Numbers 21. We're going to be reading there here shortly. Numbers 21. And so I didn't like the spankings. They caused pain. 
and I can see now that my parents' intentions were good. The discipline brought pain, but it was done out of love. My question to you this morning is, how does God discipline you? How does he discipline us? Does he also tell us, come here? Does he tell you, wait till we get home. You're going to get what's coming to you. Just wait. Is discipline good for us? I think we can agree that, yes, it is. It, um, it corrects us. It shows us where we've gone wrong and what, how to correct our path. I'm going to be reading from Numbers 21, verses 4 and 5. And this is after the people of Israel have come out of Egypt. God has parted the Red Sea for them. They have seen his hand at work in their life. And we find them in this situation. Numbers 21, verse 4. It says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out here out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. It seems like they were throwing their tantrum, rolling around in the desert. Lord, what's going on here? Why aren't you providing better for us? I thought you loved us. Little did they know, God does love them. In verse 6, we continue reading, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. I'll tell you what, I prefer a spanking than getting bitten by a snake. Consider yourself blessed if you got spanked. And so the fiery serpents came among the people. People began to die. They were in pain. I can imagine one being bitten. Their flesh is getting swollen, and they're just in anguish and pain and moaning and groaning. In verse 7, we read, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against God and the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. They groaned against God. God brought the fiery serpents. They were bit. They felt the pain. And it brought them to acknowledge their wrong. Verse 8 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So among the people that were dying, that were groaning, complaining, Moses lifts up the serpent and says, look at the serpent. And maybe some of them were still moaning and groaning. Moses telling them, just look at the serpent. Ah, but my pain is too great. I can't even do that. Look at the serpent. And so they look, and they're healed. The pain goes away. The flesh is restored. And is it that simple? I mean, we read it in the Bible that when they look at it, 
they shall live. Could Moses have been like, no, you haven't suffered enough. You haven't been bitten enough times to be qualified to look to that serpent. I don't think you're sorry enough for complaining against God to be able to look to the serpent. Is that the way it happened? I, the Bible tells us that they simply got bit, they looked to the serpent, and they lived. Plain and simple, cut and dry. Now I'd like to tell you about an experience that I've had in my, in my life with God's discipline. Throughout my life in high school and college, even after college, I struggled with appetite. I struggled with eating too much, eating when I shouldn't be. And it came to a point where sometimes I would eat so much that I couldn't function. And this happened mainly recently, maybe like two years ago, and it happened for a period of like two months. I would find myself eating just for the pleasure of eating because I wanted to eat. Unfortunately, many times this happened on the Sabbath where we're supposed to be spending time with God, meditating on Him, and I was focused on myself, on wanting to indulge on what I wanted to do. I was doing it for pleasure, but it was making me feel sick. I can remember just sitting on the couch, just belly full, and I couldn't function. And all the while, the many times that this happened to me, I could hear a a voice in my head telling me, this isn't good for you. What are you doing? This is harmful to you. Don't you know what you're doing? And God speaks to us in our minds through his Holy Spirit. And I was disregarding that because I was still so set on doing what I wanted to do. Like I was shooing the Holy Spirit away like a fly. And it was just, in my mind, annoying because it wasn't permitting me to do what I wanted. And this trial of my struggle with appetite, it seemed so overbearing. It seemed so tough to overcome. And I knew that I needed to overcome it. I hadn't struggled with it as I had in those two months. And I knew that I was getting to a bad place. It was affecting my self-esteem, my body image, my health, mentally, spiritually. I feel like I couldn't function properly, connect with my Heavenly Father. I invite you guys to turn to Hebrews 12, and we're going to look at verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. This whole time that I was in disobedience and doing what I wanted to do, I knew, I knew well that God is merciful. I knew well that all I have to do is look to Jesus to help me. For some reason, I didn't want to. But I praise God that there were times where I was driven so far into what I was doing, and God permitted me to fall deeper and deeper and deeper 
into what I was doing until I felt enough pain and I finally surrendered to the Holy Spirit telling me, this isn't right. It was then that I was driven to my knees to ask God for help. There's a hymn that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. And many times I ask myself, Lord, when is this going to end? But I'll tell you guys, our Father in heaven is faithful. My, my dad passed away a couple years ago. And there are times where I look back and I'm like, I wish I could have been a better son. I wish I would have obeyed. What would it have costed me? What would it have cost me to, to do what he wanted me to do? Because he knew that it was for my own good. And I, I switched that to my relationship with God. And think of how the pain that we cause God when we choose not to do what he wants us to do. And not just that, when he sees us in pain, it causes him pain as well. I'm not a dad, but I've been in a teaching role. I've had the opportunity to teach the auto shop class at the academy. And similar to how a son goes to his dad for help, for advice, so a student goes to their teacher when they have a problem, and the teacher is able to help. There was one instance where we were taking apart some lawnmowers, and there was a bolt that got stripped. It had a Phillips head, and it was a round head. And they didn't know what to do. The students didn't know what to do. So they came to me, and with past experience, I was able to tell them, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a 12-point socket that's barely smaller than the bolt. We're going to put it on top, smash it, force it on with the hammer, put a ratchet on it, and then we'll be able to get it off. And so we did that, and it worked. And they were, it was cool to see the look on their face of like, oh, wow, that actually worked. We actually got that done. And as the person teaching them, helping them, I felt such a joy to be able to be like, wow, I actually, I actually helped them. You know, I actually helped them move along. And now imagine our Father in heaven, when we go to him with our struggle, and how willing he is to help us because he knows what he's doing. He knows better. My Father in heaven has taught me that when I struggle, I must go to him and tell him, Lord, I'm not strong enough to deal with this. I'm not strong enough, but I know that you are. (laughs) And I look past the trial, and I see his face. And his face is full of love. I have a baby niece and my sister would do this thing called tummy time. She was about, she can do well now, she can endure, but she was about, I don't know, six months old and she would have to do tummy time. And I could see that when she would do tummy time, she hated it because it was uncomfortable. Because her muscles need to be strengthened 
because she needed to be a little bit pushed to get to that point where her muscles would be strengthened. And so my sister would set time marks to see how much she has progressed. And every time she would set a timer for a little bit longer to see if she could make it the distance. And there were times where I could see that the timer was counting down and the baby would start to get frustrated and and start to get to the point of crying. And my sister would be there right in front of her trying to encourage her, come on, you know, parents making all the faces that they can. You can do it. And the timer goes off and the baby is at about at the point to cry. And my sister picks her up and looks at her (laughs) with such a loving face. Now imagine God when we go to him with our trials and he helps us through it. He gives us the strength to carry on. He picks us up and he looks at us such a loving face. And he's proud of us. Our Father in heaven is faithful. And so I've learned that when the trials come, I need not look at my weakness and my inability to do something, but I should look to Jesus. I should look to Jesus. It's so humbling to know that Jesus came to this earth. The King of Kings came down to pay the price for our sin because we couldn't do it. And it is that same Jesus that gives us the strength to endure through our trials. Because he has gone through it. He already knows. And so God disciplines us. Because he loves us. I'm going to read from Hebrews 12, starting at verse 6. And I will read to verse 11, if you can follow, if you'd like to follow with me. Hebrews 12, verses 6 to 11 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure this chastening, this discipline, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have been partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to our father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few years chastened us as seemed best to them, but for our profit, and that we may become partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable 
fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God disciplines us because he loves you, because he's treating you as his child. And praise God for that discipline. My friends, my brothers and sisters, I believe that if we desire God, if we're truly seeking him, he will use any means necessary to bring us closer to him, even if it causes us pain and even if it causes him pain. And that's not to say that he enjoys seeing us in pain. But he knows that we must endure pain to overcome trial. Hebrews 12, 2, once again says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus gives us the victory over our trials. There is a hymn that says, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. In college, I got the opportunity to leave the dorm room and get an apartment with my sister, and finally we could decorate as we wanted more freely. We could cook when we wanted to because we had a kitchen. We could decorate our own rooms because we could and didn't have roommates. We could put this here, that there, this fragrance here because it was most convenient for us. It worked best for us. Revelations 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever hears and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So when Jesus comes into your heart, he brings a feast of fruits. He does a little interior design and he says, I'm going to put a little patience here. I'm going to put love, joy, and peace right over here. I'm going to put kindness, gentleness, faithfulness right here. And ah, self-control, to know when enough is enough when you're eating. And I'll tell you what, God's interior design in my heart is far superior to what I can do, to what I can decorate in my own heart. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. God brings this fruit of righteousness, this feast, and it is that fruit, it is that feast that I wish to indulge in I can't, I don't want to come to the point where I've had enough of that fruit of righteousness. I want to be filled to overflowing with this fruit. And so I ask this morning, what pain might you be experiencing in your life as a result of choices that you've made? And with confidence, I can tell you that God is using that pain to bring you closer to him.
whether you know it or not. The pain that we bring upon ourselves is his discipline of love. And I say, praise God that we can feel that pain. That my overeating and the pain that I feel drives me to him. And I can only but look to Jesus. I look at my life in the times of trial that I've had and the pain that I've felt, the anguish. And I can't help but think, God is love. He allows me to experience pain so that he can bring me to something better, which is his love. Father in heaven, I just praise you because you love us. And we can do nothing to deserve your love. You love us because that is who you are. I thank you for the compassion and mercy that you have on us. I thank you because you are the best father that we could ever have. You take discipline and you instruct us. You edify us. And you take your love and you draw us closer to you. And I can think of no other person that does that in such a perfect way. You are good, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the trials that you bring in our life. Though it's painful, we can trust that you are working all things for our good. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor today. May our hearts be surrendered to you, Lord.